The cancer journey is unique for everyone. It's time to figure out our new normal, and there's no one-size-fits-all manual. Welcome to Unspoken Cancer Truths with Jen Cochran, because surviving is just the beginning. Welcome to episode 31 of Unspoken Cancer Truths. I'm your host, Jen Cochran. I'm a huge fan of the law of choices, as is my guest this week. We all get a choice. We don't get to choose cancer, but we get to choose how we look at our journey. On today's episode, I'm excited to talk with breast cancer survivor and life coach, Bonnie McVie. In her journey, she chose joy and is an inspiration for others to do the same. Today, she's sharing with us her own cancer journey and how she learned to move from a mindset of victimhood to one of joy. Hi, Bonnie. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you here today. I'm really looking forward to you sharing some of your aha moments from your journey and just sharing with us the truth that you found to be true as we go through this journey that is a breast cancer journey. So welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you, Jennifer. Really glad to have you. I'm going to have you just jump right in and tell us about your story. When did it start and kind of bring us through to present day? Sure. So I found a lump in my breast and I knew instinctively right away it was breast cancer, that it, it, it shouldn't be there. And this was in June and I had had a mammogram in December and everything was fine. And I called my doctor and I said, you know, I found a lump and we went in and she said, you need to go have a mammogram. And I went in to have my mammogram and nothing showed up on the mammogram. Everybody could feel my lump on the side of my breast, but it didn't show up. So then they scheduled me to do a sonogram and went in for the sonogram. And I was in there for a very long time. And they actually found a a lump in my other breast too. So at that point, I really felt like, oh, something's going on. And so they scheduled me to have a lumpectomy and aspirate the other one. Uh, they had a pretty good idea that it was a fluid-filled cyst, and it was. However, the other one was, in fact, cancer. And um, I remember that day so clearly. I was at work um, as a hairdresser, and the phone call came in, and my uh, surgeon just a great gal said, um, I I got some bad news for you. And I said, shit, shit, shit. And she said, yeah, I said worse than that when I got your news. Um, I said, but in fact, I kind of knew, I just kind of knew. Um, anyways, we did not get clear margins. So we had to go back in and get clear margins. So that was the second surgery. And at that time they checked my lymph nodes and, you know, they freeze them. And they say that's about 95% accurate. And they said, you're good to go. And then two days later, I got the phone call. There's cancer in your lymph nodes. You got to come back in and have a second surgery. They went in and took out 15 lymph nodes and three of them were involved. Um, And so I had had two double surgeries and, of course, the awful, awful drain that was so painful and waiting then to start my chemo. I want to back up just a little bit. Um, as a hairdresser, I was beginning to have problems with my back and looking for what was next for me. 
And uh, a client of mine came in and told me that she was in a life coach training program. And I said, well, that would be perfect because I've been coaching behind this chair for the last almost 30 years. I'm one of the original life coaches. So I enrolled in the life coach training program and halfway through the program is when I got my cancer diagnosis. And at that same time, I was learning all about mindset, core beliefs, how they limit us, et cetera, et cetera. And had come to the realization that I had been living very much from victimhood. And previously to this, I had gotten sober uh, two years prior to that. And you know, when you get sober, you give your life and your will over to the care of God. Well, cancer wasn't exactly what I had in mind when I did that. However, it was perfect divine timing. Because here I am halfway through a coach's training program, learning all about how powerful our mind is. And I get a cancer diagnosis. And it's as though God was saying to me, well, now you get to make a choice. Do you want to continue living as a victim or do you want to choose something different? And I chose joy. And I chose that no matter what was going to happen through the rest of my journey, I was going to choose joy in the day. And that was such a lesson for me in how powerful our mind is. So I went on to have six months of chemo. The first three months were the uh, pink cocktail. Never thought I'd have a cocktail again. And then when I did, the cocktail was the pink cocktail, the agemiacin and the psychopathy. And so sick from that. My body did not take it well. Ended up in the hospital a couple of times with blood transfusions. And um, the second time, they actually told my family they weren't sure I was going to make it out. I was so depleted. Yet, I was able to have joy that I was in the hospital, joy that there were doctors to take care of me, and joy that my family could come and visit. And it was a choice I had to make daily and sometimes by the hour and by the minute. Then I went on to have the second three months, and that was the taxol, and that was the sores in my mouth, losing my fingernails and my toenails, and I wasn't as nauseous, but I certainly was completely fatigued and could barely even get to the bathroom. Yet I would have friends come and visit, and they would just sit on the bed with me, and they would just read to me or rub my back or hold my hand. And, and that was actually the best thing anybody could have done um, was just to be with me during that time. And so my cancer was a triple negative and that's why they were hitting me really hard with the chemo. And then I had to have a couple of weeks before I could start my radiation because I was so fatigued. And then I had the typical seven weeks of radiation Monday through Friday. And of course, you know, with the radiation, you get the burn on your skin. And so that was really the end of my treatment. And um, at the end of that treatment, I felt like I was free falling. Like, now what? I'm not going to the doctor anymore. Nobody's checking on me. See, in three months, like, what do you mean? Like, I'm just supposed to go home and do what? And I'm still really, really tired. Like, it took well over a year before I even felt like I was coming back into my own again. But through the whole thing, I was able to 
graduate with my class, with my coaches training program. And I was actually coaching as part of that program. And I have to tell you that I don't think I would have been able to be such a great coach if I had not gone through that. Not that I would ever want to have cancer, but the blessings that came from that cancer and the truths I learned about myself, what was really important, how to stay present in the day. Previous to that, I mentioned I was a hairdresser and seriously, I was on the hamster wheel of life. I fortunately had a very good business. I had people on waiting lists and I would work extra hours. I would squeeze people in between when I was on, uh, when I had a color going, I would go in on my day off. I literally did not know how to say no. So I learned how to say no. The other thing I learned how to do was to ask and receive help. Always, I had been the one to help everybody and to actually say, I need help. Can you go to the grocery store for me? People would offer to come and clean my house. No, 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 you don't need to do that. They would say, can I throw in a load of laundry while I'm here? No, 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 no. Learning to receive was such a gift for me. Slowing down, being present, and learning how to receive were huge, huge truths for me that I was worthy enough to actually receive. And I didn't have to be the one always giving. And, and the other thing that was really interesting was the people that showed up in my life. I never would have, I never would have expected to see them on my doorstep. And the people I thought would be there for me, crickets. I don't know where they went. And I know that that was their fear of the whole situation, but it was really interesting. So really learning who are your true friends and who really love and care for you. I, I often tell people it was kind of like having a funeral, but not dying. All the people that came to support and love and tell me how much they appreciated me in their life and who I was to them. And it, it, it was one of those blessings you don't expect. It really was. Um, in the beginning, gosh, I felt like they were speaking another language to me. All the medical terms, the Greek, the it just was like somebody picked me up and put me in a in a foreign country I knew nothing about. And I unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess it's a double-edged sword, I I did everything they said, which is good because I'm here and I'm happy to be alive. However, at my fifth year checkup, so the triple negative, it's really common to have a reoccurrence between your second and third year. When I made it past that, I was really grateful. Um, and then at my five-year checkup, my doctor said to me, well, you're good to go. This cancer is not going to come back. You're more likely to get a second new first cancer because you've already had cancer. And I was so taken back by that statement. I looked at him and said, why didn't we take these off? I don't need them. I don't want a second first breast cancer. So somewhere in there, there was a miscommunication to me from either my oncologist or my surgeon. My oncologist said that was a conversation I should have had with my surgeon. Um, and I don't know who I should have had the conversation with. And of course, I didn't go after my surgeon for that because 
that wasn't going to do anything at this point. So it's really important, I think, for women, anybody with cancer, to get a second opinion, which I did not do, question everything. I did always have somebody go with me to take notes when I was at my doctor's appointments because, of course, like I said, it was like Greek to me. I, After like the first three or four minutes, your brain just shuts off. You can't. My brain shut off. I just couldn't absorb any more of what I wasn't understanding. Um, so getting a second opinion is super important and question everything. It's so important that you question everything because I didn't. I just was like, okay, the doctors know. Here we go. I, I never thought I'd have cancer. I thought I would end up with some sort of a heart problem because that's what ran in my family. Cancer did not. We did the bracket testing and it was a not a genetic cancer. Um, I think the other thing that's really important is in the beginning, I kind of was really hard on myself about having cancer, that it might have been my fault because I was a heavy drinker, which is very common for women who are heavy drinkers to get breast cancer. And I had been obesely overweight much of my life. And so at first I was really blaming myself, even more than blaming myself. I think I just sat in a lot of shame and that's not, that's not true. That's not, anybody can get cancer. Yes. Cancer does not discriminate. And that may or may not have contributed to it. But I have a granddaughter who was born with brain cancer. So who knows where it comes from, right? We And so if to anybody who's listening, if you have cancer and you think it's because of something you did or some way you lived your life, please don't. Please don't shame yourself or blame yourself. It's, it's not good for you. It's, it will not contribute. I remember when I would go in for my cancer treatments, I would visualize Pac-Man eating all the little cancer cells. And I would be like, okay, Pac-Man, do your job. And I really think having a positive attitude and really believing that you can heal makes a huge difference. And yes. again, choosing to be joyful. I I believe that had I got cancer when I was still drinking, I may have died. I probably, I really feel like I would have died. That Either mindset would have, would have been different. My mindset would have been so different. And, or I may have drank myself to death, which would have been the same mindset. Like, woe was me, poor me, screw it. I'm already, you know, like, right. So yeah. the divine timing. Remind me as well, was this 14 years ago? Yes, or it actually be 15 years in June that I found That's a lot. That's great. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. Yes, it feels really years good to with, be on the side. Yeah, 15 years post triple negative is fantastic. Yes. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, there are definitely many topics that I'd like to dig into a little bit further with Bonnie. She and I speak so much the same language around the challenges with communication and that idea that cancer is not discriminating. I yes. think I really like the languaging around that because cancer is not discriminating. And there are so many components to so many different kinds of cancer. Yes, that 
our genetic makeup and where we've lived in our life and the environments that we're subjected to and all those things kind of come together in a perfect storm. So I also want to circle back on that idea of our guidance in the beginning as well, because I've talked with a lot of different people about that idea of a second opinion. I think that's also very powerful. So stay with us. We will be back in just a minute. Hi, Jen here. I hope you're enjoying the show. When I finished treatment, I discovered survivorship was way more challenging than I ever expected it to be. There are a lot of things no one prepares you for. I attended one support group meeting and knew that was not for me. The more people I talked with, the more I realized I was not alone. This podcast is a forum for people to share their cancer stories from start to present. And my Facebook group is a gathering space for people to find positive inspiration on the not-so-positive days. In a community of people who understand the challenges of this journey. So come on over and join the Facebook group, Surviving is Just the Beginning. And be part of the conversation. When you see the question, how did you hear about us? Be sure to mention this podcast episode. I look forward to seeing you there. We are back. I am here with Bonnie and we've been talking about her breast cancer journey uh, with triple negative breast cancer. Uh, Mm -hmm. It'll be 15 years in June, which is amazing. And we have so many similarities in our approach and our experiences when it comes to this topic. And there's a few things I definitely want to circle back on. The idea of second opinions, it is so huge. I always felt really fortunate because I was in this space and because I had a number of clients locally who had been through this process and I had had an insight into their providers and the doctors they had worked with. I had a good idea of who I wanted to work with. But one of the things I found very interesting was when I met with my surgeon I was very clear that I was taking them off and getting an upgrade. (laughs) And part of that was that I had three small spots and I wasn't very big to begin with. So when those three spots were removed with a clean margin, there was going to be a crater. So that seemed like the most reasonable thing to do. As opposed to trying to have some kind of adjustment. And for me, in my mind, having a bilateral just made the most sense. Everything would be even. I was 43. I was fairly young. There was not a definitive family history in the context that they would view a family history. But my surgeon said to me, that's absolutely you're right but you don't need to do them both. The chance of this cancer cropping up in the other breast is unlikely. But she did say I would be at risk for a future, like say when I was in my 60s, in a time what they would consider normal time that most breast cancers are diagnosed. And that didn't make sense to me. Not at all. But it was interesting because 
I was very clear. And the guidance that I got was, absolutely, we can do that. You don't need to. Mm-hmm. And, and that's then my what they plas- said to me. My plastic surgeon said, because I was so certain, she said, you know, 95% of my patients that don't do both within five years, they make a different decision. Mm-hmm. Because... The fear of recurrence you talked about um, in your story, you talked about, what do you mean, see you in three months? Like, huh? We go from this like treadmill, treatment treadmill to where we have doctors all the time and we're constantly being monitored to, you're great, see you in three months. And we're like, huh? Mm-hmm. So that interesting place of unknown and fear of recurrence is so real for so many survivors that I thought that that idea of questioning everything and seeking a second opinion is just so important and I really loved how you learn to say no Mm -hmm. and to ask for and receive help yes and I think that's something that we as women all need to learn. We tend to be not only people pleasers and sometimes overdoing in order to have people like us back. So there's that. And then there's also the caregiver in us that tends to overdo and make sure everybody else is okay and not take care of ourselves and not really let it sit with us like, wow, We are so worth someone else doing something for us. We don't have to do it all, which was huge for me, just huge. I had been a single mom twice, and I'd been used to doing everything by myself. And I forgot to mention, I had um, only been married seven months to my, my now husband when I had my cancer diagnosis. And that was a whole nother piece of, wow what do we do with this? We just got married. And so um, learning to let him do more was really important too. Yeah, it's, it's such an interesting time. And the things that come up for us, like after my surgery, in order for my husband to be at work, like we had two dogs, one of the neighbors who cuts out for us occasionally, he came home at lunchtime. And I reached out to him and I was like, hey, would you mind um, when you come home at lunch, would you mind just giving the dogs a break so that Charles does not have to worry about getting home faster? And that kindness was so huge. And my surgery was the end of June. Like I was all taped in for the first like four days. It's like 110 in the D.C. area at the end of June, beginning of July. And it was so amazing to just have him stop by and take the dogs out for 10 minutes and to play with them a little bit. And it was just really nice to have that. But I did the same thing, like, oh, I don't need any house cleaning. Yeah. And then when I was toward the later part of chemo, I was like, who was I kidding? Of course we need house cleaning. Like I need that. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> right? What what kind of hero am I trying to be here? Like, exactly. Exactly. Like it was really the first time, Jennifer, that I learned that I didn't have to be doing in order to be worthy. I could just be. Yes. Just be. And that was okay. And just learning to sit quietly with that and how present I became to, you know, just the leaves on the trees. I remember laying there in bed, looking at the leaves. It was the fall and they were starting to turn color and how amazing I found all of that to be slowing down and just watching the bird like out my window and how beautiful that was, you know, those are all the things you take for granted. You don't even think about. Well, I did. Never stopped really like, oh, that that's a pretty bird. But no, that is a gorgeous bird. Like, wow. Almost like I like I would imagine it was like somebody tripping, looking at the colors of, you know, the bird and how magnificent it is, right? How magnificent all of life is. Yeah. Well, it's almost like a, it's almost like a reawakening. Right? Absolutely. Like we kind of revisit the beauty of nature and the beauty of being with people. And yes, it's also really interesting. You talk about, um, you talked about choosing joy. And I absolutely found that to be true. Um, I very much, when I was diagnosed, it never occurred to me. That it was going to go any other way than how it did. Mm-hmm. I would say the same thing. It never occurred to me that this was a, it was very early stage. I mean, I knew it was very early stage. I was otherwise a fantastic shape. Like, it never occurred to me that it would go any other way. And I always approached it from a place of showing up. And being positive. Mm-hmm. And my very first chemo treatment, the toward the it was I had six hour infusions. My yes. cocktail was a bit different from yours. It was a six, five and a half, six hour infusion. And of course, your first one is longer because you have some like booster doses that they give you. So it was a really long day the first day. And as I was getting to the end, one of the nurses said to me, yeah, have you like canceled all your clients? Cause you're not going to be able to work after this. And I was like, huh? Of course I'm going to be able to work. That's just weird. And she was like, no. And I was like, well, the doctor said I'm going to be fine for like the first half. So here's the deal. I am fine until I'm not fine. And I'll let you know when that happens. (laughs) And she was like, oh. And as I was leaving, she said to one of the other nurses, she's smiling. (laughs) And I was like, yes, there's no reason to not be smiling. I feel fine. I may not feel fine tomorrow. I may not feel fine on Sunday. You might be right. I might really... Not feel great on Monday, but here's the deal. Right now, I feel fine. And I am fine until I'm not. I'm fine. Right. You can't convince me otherwise. (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly. And for me, I had to stop working because I obviously couldn't cut hair after those surgeries. And then boom, 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 that just the chemo just took me down. There was no way I could have worked. Yeah. But I was still able to be joyful. I had family come visit from out of state. And that decision, I really think, and it is a decision, made is. such a difference. So I did some uh, facilitating a cancer, women's cancer support group for a couple yes. of years. This was about, I would say this was probably about four or five years after my cancer treatment journey. And um, I co-facilitated it with a social worker because I didn't have a social worker degree. They wouldn't let me do it on my own. She had not had cancer. I did. The women were wanting to know everything from me because I had been there. And some of the women in the group so angry that they had cancer and not letting that go. So I think the other thing that both you and I did that we didn't mention is we surrendered to what was. Yeah. They were resisting. They were fighting. They were denying. They were in anger. And there's a cellular biologist by the name of Bruce Lipton, and he has done lots of studies about how our self-talk affects our cells down to the teeny, tiniest little cell. And when we are negative, that affects our cells in a very negative way. And if you think about it, our cancer cells mutate and they change. Yes. And if we're negative and our cells are already changing, there's no chance for them to get healthy. To, to feel. So another thing that is interesting is when people say they're fighting cancer, I get that they're fighting for their life. But when you think about the word fighting, you tense up, you become defensive. Everything in your body is so tight as opposed to, and I did say to this one woman who had ovarian cancer and she was very negative and she was fighting and negative. And I said to her, what would it be like if you just could be with the cancer and think healthy thoughts like my Pac-Man going in and eating the cancer cells. And if you just think about fighting in your tents and just being, you can feel the difference in your body right then and there. Absolutely. And I just think that's so important that we really are careful. And so for those women in that cancer support group, they, they were able to understand that and it helped shift where they were with their journey, knowing that they could just be with it and that would be okay. It didn't mean they were going to die because they were just being with it. Yes. And, and surrendering to the process of where we are is different from surrendering. Totally. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> when we yes. surrender to where we are, I'll often say it is what it is. And my sister, that makes her crazy. Yeah. Like, but it is like, it is what it is. And we are where we are. And we're going to go forward from here. We're and... not surrendering to give up. Right. We're surrendering to what is. We're accepting, okay, now this is a new thing for us. And now we have to do this. That's yes. the surrender. That I yes. think you're talking about. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's so hard. It's 
it's like that slowing down and being present and asking mm-hmm. for help. Yes. Like when we surrender to where we are and say, okay, this is where we are. And these are the steps we're going to take to get to a new place. Yep. I really encourage everyone who's listening today to find something that they can ask for support on today. Absolutely. Because it's a muscle. Yeah. And we are not as humans, especially as women humans, we tend to not flex that muscle. Yes. And we have put such a priority on independence and I'm all for independence. I, my husband and I were, had actually been together for five years when I was diagnosed and we were living together, but we weren't married. And I had had such a premium on my independence and the things I had achieved in my life. And that's great. Like there's achievement is not bad. No. Um, having, being independent and being, you know, scrappy, it's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Those are positive things. Right. But we don't want to do them to the exclusion of everything else. Mm. And we find that we can accomplish so much more when we're not going it alone. Absolutely. We all rise together. Yes. And we can do it from a place of joy. Yes. As we are recording this, we're in the middle of the social distancing. You are in your home and I am in mine. We are properly social distancing. (laughs) Yes, for Mm COVID-19. Yes. But I think people are experiencing a lot of the same things. Like there is going to be a new wave of needing to ask for help and it might be help because you've been cooped up and you need social contact. Like there's so many components and layers mm-hmm. to how we can be safe and get our our social needs met. Right. Yeah, I was actually um, writing a blog about how um, this COVID-19 is so much like when I got my cancer diagnosis. Yes, so many similarities. So many similarities. and But now it's global. It's not, you know, it's like everybody's going through, what is our new normal going to be? What what are we supposed to do with it? What is this new language? Yeah, it's a very interesting time. And I think a lot of the things that people are experiencing now, um, especially with being home and social distancing, and some people are able to work remotely, some people are not. For those who in both camps, people mm-hmm. are like, do I want to keep doing this thing that I've been doing? Right. Like, what, how do I feel about that? Um, so it's very, very interesting interesting time that we are living through right now in my business Jennifer I tell I work with a lot of women in transition and I some circumstances that maybe they knew were coming and a lot of unexpected circumstances and I I really encourage women to sit in that pause and I really felt like my cancer journey was a, a pause for me and 
in the pause is the purpose. So the pause is the purpose and the purpose is in the pause. Yes. And really evaluating, is that what I want to go back to? Is that how I want to do my life? What's really important? And when you have death knocking at your door, it becomes clear really quickly. Absolutely. And unfortunately, a lot of people do have that right now, or they have family members. But I think collectively, if everybody could stop and question not only what they want, but who they want to spend their time with, how they want to make a living, is it so important to have that job that makes them so much money so they can have all the things they think they need? Or is it okay to not work so hard and live with less and have more time? Because clearly time is our most important thing that we have. And absolutely, as a, as a cancer survivor, we know that. Yes. It's been very interesting for me to watch as someone who has been through this and had a sidelining situation like cancer. Mm-hmm. It's been very interesting for me to watch um, people struggle with the pause. Yes. And navigating that. For some people, they like dropped into slowing down and have embraced that. Mm-hmm. And for others, they're still really resisting. And I think yes. that's an interesting thing to examine as well. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, wait a minute. I am resisting this. Yeah. Why am I resisting this? And I think that's a question that is definitely worth pursuing if you find that you are in that category where sheltering is proving really difficult. Right. And so when we get a cancer diagnosis, we go straight into fear. Right, It's outside of our comfort zone. Same thing is happening with the world right now. Yes, Everybody's outside of their comfort zone. Nobody's ever been in this time or place or situation before, just like when we got cancer. And I think the first inclination, and I was on a call with a group of women yesterday, was they need to be doing something and they don't know what to be doing. And they're frustrated because they're not doing. And I said, this week, I don't want you to do anything. I invite you to not do and see what shows up. Just see what shows up. One week of not doing is not going to be the end of your life. It's not going to be the end of your job, your business, your whatever, right? You don't have to be doing. I think that's one of the things this whole thing is all about. I think that's one of the things as a cancer survivor that I really took to heart as well. Like I have one day a week, at least, sometimes it's more, but I have one day a week where I don't have, there's nothing that needs to be done. Yep. Other than getting out with my dogs and it might not even be cooking dinner. That might Mm -hmm. be a day that we Mm -hmm. do take out. (laughs) Yep. Yep. But there's one, at least one day where there's no requirements on our time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for me, the quality of my life is so much more important than the number 
um, in my salary or my business or whatever you want to call it. Yes. Could I make more money? Could I work harder? Could I work more hours? Absolutely. Am I going to? Mm. Nope. Nope. I'm going to enjoy my life. Yes. Because as we all know, life is short. Yeah. Short. And none of us know what tomorrow holds. That's right. And when you have a cancer diagnosis, you don't know. You might die from cancer, but you might get run over by a bus. I mean, we don't know, right? That is we true. Don't know. And so it's really, really important to take in the quality of the life we're living and living what we're here for. And I think everybody has a sense of that. And I think a lot of people think, well, I can't do that because I won't make enough money or I won't. What would people think? Or there'll be time to do that later. Oh, that's a big one. Yes. Yeah. Like my husband and I travel. We yes, both like we... to travel. We've always liked to travel. And my oncologist, like the second year that I was seeing him, every it just happened that every time I saw him, we had been somewhere. It might have just been for a weekend. But he was like, yep. good God, when are you working? Like every time I see you've been on a trip, I'm like, Okay, well, to be fair, I only see you four times a year. So, like, I was just away for a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and my husband and I, we love to travel in our RV and go camping. And we do a lot of that. And um, he takes three-day weekends. And it's so important yes. that, we, that we do what we love. Yes, and it's that connection, too, like... When my husband and I travel, we tend to do travel similar to yours, where when we are traveling, our phones just go away. Like we're in places where there's, we have connectivity some days, but not every day. And it's just time for us to spend hanging out together, doing things we like to do and spending that time and really having that time to reconnect with one another because life yeah, does absolutely happen it does get busy yep mm-hmm. we do not have a tv in our rv i know a lot of people do but i will not let a tv be in our we've got a dvd player for movies but we do not have a tv and i will not take a tv on our trail in our rv i yeah. love that well thank you so much for spending this time with me today it was it, delightful yes i so appreciate you And I look forward to connecting with you more in the future. Yes, absolutely. That would be wonderful. Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, you're so welcome. Thank you, Jennifer. Bye-bye. Bye. One of the things I love about this podcast is that I always learn something new or hear a new side effect I hadn't heard before. Thank you, Bonnie, for sharing some of your truths of the importance of second opinions and navigating the longer-term impacts of our choices up front. That idea of questioning everything and continuing to question until you understand the answers and they actually make sense is so important. I really loved that idea of getting off the hamster wheel of life as well. So many great lessons shared here. As I wrap up this week's episode, I want to emphasize the idea of asking for help and really flexing that muscle. I'll be back on September 2nd with some more unspoken cancer truths. I hope you'll listen in.
In the meantime, I would love to see you in the Facebook group. Surviving is just the beginning. Specifically this week, I'm looking for your survivorship challenges. I believe really strongly that every day should be Cancer Awareness Day. We really need to be talking more about survivorship. So come on over to Surviving is Just the Beginning Facebook group where you can connect with me and my past guests. You can comment about your challenge on the post in the group or you can direct message me if you want to keep it anonymous. I look forward to hearing your challenges and addressing them in future episodes of the podcast. Thanks for listening and have a great week.